Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey PCC, it's good to see you again. We're in this series called Family Table, Realizing Your Impact. And if you missed week one, we actually have a giveaway for all of you raising kids and teens. You can email this email right here and we'd love to send it to you. As well, if you go to the website here or send an email to that email, we want to highlight this resource this week. Now, we can't give these away, but this is an incredible book called What is Beautiful? And if you're a parent or a grandparent or guardian to a daughter, highly suggest this read. Now, this week can be summed up in one simple phrase. People make an impact. That's it. People make an impact. When we share life with people, they impact us and they impact us in trajectory type moments. Now, before we get in, I got to set up a story to model how people have impacted our life. Summer of 2013. Summer 2013 was really unique for the Bowers family because we had a catastrophe happen and we needed people to support us. Now, here's the catastrophe. I'm at summer camp with our students. We're living in Southern California. We're up by Big Bear. We've got a couple hundred students with our church with hundreds of students from other churches at a summer camp. Now at this summer camp, I'm hyper-focused on what's happening in the lives of teens and connecting with our leaders. And I get a phone call from my wife and she's like, Hey, I'm not doing good. Now a context is my wife suffers from severe migraines. She has since she was a little girl and sometimes it gets so bad where she can be hospitalized. And it was one of those. I'm not doing good. Now in my head, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Because we have two young elementary age boys at the time. I'm at summer camp. I'm hours away. She's not doing well. I call back to check on her and my son picks up and go, dad, we're going to the hospital. And in my head, I'm like, you can't drive. Mom can't drive. And and I'm in a panic moment as a husband and, and a dad. So what I do is I call the one person that I know my wife would call if it got this bad. Her name was Heather. Her husband was Brad. Heather and Brad to our rescue. Now, Heather and Brad got my wife to the ER. They stayed with her. They got my kids squared away with food, uh, got to sleep over their house. I'm driving home a couple hours to go right to the hospital to check in on my wife. It was a really bad, severe moment for her. Had to stay overnight in the hospital, get the medication she needed. I got to check on the boys. I go pick them up from Brad and Heather's house. I take my boys to breakfast. But then here's the deal. I've got all those students back at summer camp. So you know what Brad and Heather do? They step in. They take care of my boys. They take care of my wife for the next several days until I can get back from summer camp to then check back in as a dad and husband. Now for me, that was a very desperate moment of going, ah, how's this going to work? But also in that moment, I knew that the people that we surrounded our family with cared because we would do the same thing for them. People make an impact. And what's interesting is for over 20 years, I've worked in the church. Actually, PCC is the fourth church I've worked at, and it has a similarity to every other church. And that similarity is this. People are involved. See, the beauty of the church, which is a body of people that are saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be curious about who Jesus is, and I want to live to his kingdom. In that body, people are looking for connection. They're looking for encouragement. They're looking for a place to belong and shape an identity. And the beauty of a church is people make it up. Now, Jesus should be the focus of the church, but people are a central aspect of it. And in us, we're called to live out Jesus's kingdom. Now, what's weird is most of the time we have a desire to live out our aim in life. Like we have certain desires when it comes to money, fame, sexual expression, faith expression, uh, intrigue. 
we have these desires that we want to live out. But Jesus' call is that we give up our life for his. That we'd actually experience this grace and mercy through God himself and say his life is worth living out more than our own. And when we do that, we step into this community, which makes up people. Now here at PCC, here's some ways that people can impact each other. We have growth groups. We have life groups. We have Stevens ministers. We actually have opportunities for kids in our midweek 3-4 program. Our middle school and high school students have both large group and small group environments. We have lamplighters. And the list actually goes on. See, these spaces and even others, people can impact each other and follow Jesus. This is a both-and statement, not an either-or. See, when you're a part of a church community, you're called to be in relationship with others and follow Jesus. They're deeply connected. And in that deep connection is where we step in today and say, what does it look like for people to make an impact? Now, church, I want to lean into a moment. It's actually one of my favorite moments in the Gospel of John. It's John 13. So grab your Bible, grab your Bible app, and we're going to go there. See, this moment was a trajectory-shaping moment for the disciples on top of many others that they've already had with Jesus. But in this moment right here, Jesus does something really profound for what's next. And we talk about regathering as a church here in a few weeks. We're in the what's next for PCC. And we have two clear initiatives that we've said are are what's next. And we're going to revisit those again here in a second. But John 13 is this moment that Jesus draws us into. It says, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, but he loved them to the end. During supper... When the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Let me pause for a second. See, in Middle Eastern cultures, you would sit reclined around a table. And you would have your feet washed upon entry to clean them of all the gunk and grime and dirt and sewage that was in the open streets. And it was an act of symbolic washing, especially before a significant feast like Passover. Jesus, after supper was over, he paused and he did this act again. And in doing this act again, he took on the role of a house servant. And this is where it gets interesting. He came to Simon Peter. We love Peter. Like Peter's that one character, you know, when it says Simon Peter shows up, something's interesting is going to happen. And Peter says this, Lord, do you wash my feet? And in the text, in the original language, this is like a, what are you doing type phrase. Jesus said, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. See, Peter had such a view of Jesus. There's no way you could do this. This is not your role. You're a teacher. You're a leader. And Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. See, Jesus modeled to Peter that if I don't do this, which is what I'm modeling for you, you and I actually aren't in fellowship. We're not in relationship. Peter, being Peter, says, awesome, (laughs) Lord, don't just wash my feet, then wash my hands and wash my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, 
but not every one of you. And he's talking about Judas and the betrayal that's to come, because this is setting up before Jesus goes to the cross, which we'll celebrate here in Good Friday soon. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, resumed his place sitting amongst them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, for you are right, that is who I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another. This is a command. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. See, the beauty of this moment is Jesus models servanthood. Jesus looks at another human being and says, let me do this for you because I'm going to do it to you. So now you ought to do this to another. We're in relationship and this is a model of what is to come. And see, when Jesus goes to death on the cross for our sins and resurrects from the dead, that's a trajectory changing moment. But so is this. This moment right here is where he called the disciples to remind them that, look, my role as your savior has been to model for you what this kingdom living is about. And so much of it is about serving. So much of it is about you as a person having impact. The selflessness of Jesus in this moment is something that we need to lean into as a church daily. We need to lean into it in our living rooms, in our city, in our places of business, on our Zoom work calls, on our Zoom family calls. We need to lean into it on our lawn and in the sanctuary when we regather here again one day. We need to lean into it all the time because the model of Jesus and the life Jesus has for us is that, to serve. To allow your life and your experiences to actually impact someone else for Jesus. As a follower of Christ, this is a mandate. This is not an option. It's not an elective. See, Jesus has given us his life, so he calls us to give our life to others. Church, one of the things that we talk about is the places that people can impact. And soon, as a part of our initiative of faith and racial reconciliation, is we're going to be starting a new series. And that series, the specific aspect of the groups that we're going to call people to lean into is to be learners like and follow Jesus so that our lives can look like his kingdom would call us to. Now, parents, I think you've been tracking with me and here's why. And again, our family table realizing your impact is this, that in our living rooms, when kids and teens are met where they're at as parents, as guardians, as grandparents, as a church, Man, there's something amazing there. See, parents, I think you're tracking with me because you know the power of when people serve and impact our kids. You know, what's interesting is um, I look at my kids and you look at your kids and we have these hopes, we have these dreams, we have these desires, we have these longings for them to experience certain things. And there's these moments that as parents, you know, we're trying to give them instruction and wisdom and guidance and kids being kids when they're little, they're eager to learn. But then maybe middle school, high school hits and they're like, I got this. And they do got it. And then they mess up and you're like, see, I told you so. And that never really goes well. That authoritative call just I've learned that the hard way. But what's interesting is we can be in moments where our kids will be raving about an adult, a teacher, a coach, a mentor in their life and all the wisdom they're giving them. And inside we're like, I've said the same thing. See, in my 20 years of working in the church, I've worked around kids and teens and families, and I've experienced this myself in my own living room. See, I've been one of those adult mentors in the life of a teen and gave them some wisdom instruction to and, and the specific family and they circle back like, you said the same almost exact verbiage we've been saying. I was like, I know, sometimes you need, they need to hear it from another ear. They need to hear it in another way. 
Well, that family turned around and paid our car payment for two months, which I absolutely loved and would welcome that again at any point in time. But that's not really the point. The point is this. People have impact. And one of our initiatives is looking at kids and teens, the family table and go, are they welcome at our table as adults? In fact, are they so welcome that we'll clear space and go, where are you at? Because I want to impact you. One of the other things that us as parents are mindful of is with our kids and teens, we want them to be impacted and we actually will manipulate certain situations. We hire certain tutors, certain private coaches. We actually try to set up and foster certain relationships because we know that when our kids spend time with certain people, we hope that there's something that rubs off there to impact them. And in that impact, parents, are we willing to care about their experience with Jesus to the same degree that we to care about any other experience, in fact, even more. What would it be worth to us if we leaned into certain relationships, certain people, and said, can you help impact my kid for Jesus? Now, um, I want to do something that I, it's easy for me to do if you got a piece of paper or a napkin like one does in their back pocket. And the reason I say napkin is because you could do this at a coffee shop. You could do this at your table is what if you wrote down the names of the five people your family spent the most time with? Or maybe better yet, write down the names of the five people your kids spent the most time with. You know, for me, I could write down the head football coach at Woodside High School because both my kids spend time with him as athletes on that team. Uh, I would definitely write down my wife and I because our boys spend time with us. But I would also write down their close friends, their peers that they do community with. Uh, but I would also write down names like a Noah Johnson, a Sergio Garces. I would write down names like a Dave LaRock and a Pat Dickerson. I would write down names like Jonathan Montahano. And I'd write down those names because they are people that have impacted my sons. They take time out of their schedule to say, hey, I want to lean into teenagers where they're at. Parents, part of PCC. Essentially, what Hannah Nielsen and Johnny Montahano set up for small groups is this. We'd have caring adult leaders, mentors, disciplers that would impact our middle school and high school students. And I don't want to tell you about it. I actually want to show you. So before I let you listen in to a conversation with a middle school leader and a middle school student, follow me with this. I think a deep down reality of parents is we know that who our children spend time with is important because who our children are around is influential because who our children around will make an impact. Uh, let's check in with Jeff Smith and Tyler Ewan. Tyler, I got a question for you. How do you think adults view you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so as a teen, I think uh, as part of Epic, I feel like adults view us as like a seed and every leader that comes in is like watering the seed. So every time an adult or leader comes into the room, uh, they're always like giving us great information, leading us and doing all they can just to help us grow and sprout into that uh, um, lovely person that we will become one day. Uh, Jeff, how do you think teens view you? You know, truthfully, I have no idea. I mean, sometimes I look at them and I'm wondering what the heck are they thinking and why are they letting this old guy even say anything to them? And so I don't know. Sometimes I, I think, you know, they, they look kind of interested and I think they like my stories. 
And, um, and every once in a while, I see him kind of really getting into God's word. And then it, it, then I just go, I don't, it doesn't really matter what they think because I see him just soaking something in or some nugget will come out of their brain and they'll start saying something and, and, uh, and I just get fired up. And so, but what they think of me, I, I don't know, maybe some kind of nutty old man at times that, that loves them. I don't know. Jeff, what have you taken out of our relationship? It, it's Tyler, it's not just you, um, but all the kids. Um, when I see all those boys, you know, especially your class, uh, even, the, even, even the seventh graders, uh, I, I just see this group of kids that, um, that love the Lord. And, and they're growing and they screw around and all that kind of stuff, but, but they love the Lord. And then I see you, especially you. I mean, you're humble. Um, uh, you know, at first you were so quiet. And then, and then little by little, anything you say is like gold. Uh, and so uh, that's what I take out of it. What about you? What, what, do you, what do you do? What do you take out of it? Well, I look at our relationship as like a father-son relationship where we can rely on each other. Sometimes there's conflicts either way, but uh, through it all, I know we can all resolve it through uh, Christ and just you as a father. And I know I sometimes am a kid drawing on the walls and making mischief, but uh, in the end, it's all uh, love and just, yeah. That's great stuff. Loved hearing that. And I think you did too. When we talk about family table, we're actually talking about an intergenerational ministry model. We would look at the generations and go, man, we want to disciple everyone. But we also need men and women of faith that would choose to say, I want to disciple the next generation. When we talk about this, we're talking about putting a trajectory for kids and teens to who they'll become as adults one day. I want you to listen in to Jen Wong and Katie Delfs, a high school leader and a high school student and their relationship they've had over the last few years. Let's listen in. So Katie, what is it that you appreciate about our relationship? I would probably say having um, someone older to talk to that like isn't my mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mom, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. Um, Your mom is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love I love you. It's great. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just uh, like an outside perspective to like the problems that I'm having in my life are like, um, I don't know, things that are like going on. Um, also just like a very different perspective because you're very much a different person than my mom. Like you approach things very differently, which is nice. Um, it's just nice to have like that outside support. So like I don't only have like one person to go to, which is great. And you're also like really funny. So <laughs> that's mm -hmm. a plus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but what do you appreciate about your relationship with me? <laughs> Um, one thing I really appreciate about you, Katie, is that you are very intentional. And so, um, you always follow through and, um, make time for our relationship. So I always feel like this is something important to you. You want to, you know, get together during COVID. We've done, you know, quite a few Starbucks walks and, you know, times to talk. So I appreciate that you initiate those things um, and reach out when you need 
um, to talk or get together. Uh, I do think that you are, you know, responsible and mature, but I also think that you are real in our relationship to show a side of you that is who you are. And, um, and so I appreciate that, that clear view into, um, you as a whole person. So what would you say is your favorite memory? I have like, I have two. Okay. I have two. Um, one is more serious and then one is like funny. So I'm going to start with the funny one. No, I'm going to start with the serious one because I don't want to, like, bring the house down, you know? Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, I'm sure most of the church knows that my dad passed last August, very unexpectedly. Um, and um, <laughs> it was, a, like, that was, like, the weirdest week I've ever lived through. And I will tell you Why? Um, the Sunday of that week, I bought a car and then the Tuesday, my dad died. Um, and Jen was out of town with her family for the last two weeks. And I'd been kind of like plant sitting her garden. And of course I told her what happened on Tuesday and they were driving back from, it was like Oregon or something mm -hmm. on I Wednesday. Know. And she drove home like all that day and still made time for me that night to come over and like talk and cry and have tea at her house because like she obviously wasn't there when it happened but like as soon as she could she let me come over which was great um and <laughs> even though that was like a really rough like night <laughs> I like showed up and Jen was like of course like oh my god I'm so sorry and like gave me a hug and like whatever and then I was like I bought a car because <laughs> I had driven my car there um, and she hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, I win highs and lows in small group <laughs> yes. because no one will ever have a week like that mm -hmm. um, within the span of like two days. Like the coolest thing to happen to a 16 year old, like the worst thing to happen to a 16 year old. Um, so that was just like one of my mm -hmm. favorite memories, even though it was like a sad time. It was like a nice night if that makes any sense mm -hmm. um and then the funny one is <laughs> we have a mexico trip with high school normally when there's not like the literal plague going around um and the last year was like 2019 so i was a freshman and jen is my small group leader so like there's all these freshman girls there and we would all sit at a table but one of my friends from school who is a guy went on the trip as well because like his like family was going and he would sit at our table with all these girls because he was friends with me and like one other girl there. And I was like, it. Um, so Jen would come to our table <laughs> breakfast and she'd start giving each of us like hugs, like all the girls. Cause she's like, Hey, good morning. And like hugging all of us. And she'd go around the table and she'd get to my friend and she'd be like, <laughs> just like awkwardly hug him because she couldn't leave him out and it became a thing each morning <laughs> mm -hmm. where you just like included this um this friend of like ours that wasn't even part of our small group just really awkwardly but it was great so yeah that's the funny one because now maybe when he sees me he'll just automatically <laughs> hug me yeah he'll just yeah. go for the hug mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's fun yeah <laughs> These are leaders who have been invested in the lives of teens. In PCC, if you didn't need a subtle reminder, you just got one that people make an impact. And parents 
want other parents, other adults, other leaders to make a positive impact on their kids. And we talk about this from a faith perspective. We want to see adult men and women make an impact in the lives of kids and teens because that investment, that relational investment over time is helping them shape to be young adults, to be adults, to be leaders, to be teachers, to be husbands, to be fathers, to be part of the society that says we want to live out Jesus' kingdom. You do not understand the legacy that you can have in the simple time over time over time. And some of you may go, hey, I want to serve. And you can check out this website and there's plenty of roles that you can fill within kids ministry, middle school, high school to serve. But church, here's what I'm calling us all to be mindful of. Not just about intergenerational ministry, but this, to serve. And I want to go back to John 13. See, when we talk about John 13 and we talk about the reality of this moment where Jesus watched disciples' feet, Jesus was willing to get messy. Jesus took out his garments, he put on a towel and a posture of a servant and said, I'm going to wash your feet. In fact, in Middle Eastern customs, the idea of lifting a heel to someone else was actually a moment of disdain. It wasn't a glamorous moment. But Jesus chose to model this to say, look, the basin I'm going to use is going to get dirty. My towel, my clothes are going to get, I'm going to get in the mess and I'm going to be part of this. What does it look like to metaphorically pick up a towel and go, hey, kids, teens, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to model servanthood to you. One of the things that Gary talked with us week one was this beautiful image of marbles. See, I have marbles at well, and I'm in the final seasons of my senior leaving and my juniors right behind him. But see, when people make an impact, every time... I spend time with another teen, the time I take, because Gary talked about how pull time out, time goes down. When we see the amount of time we have left, we value it more. But when I take a marble out and I give my time to someone else, I'm actually filling the bank of someone else's relational value, identity value, affinity value. I'm filling their jar up. And see, when men and women choose to mentor, choose to disciple one another, kids, teens, peers, we're actually helping invest in each other. I want to go back to John 13. If you go a little bit later in the story, Jesus says this in verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. It's repetitive. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And in that one another, another, kids and teens are involved. A community doesn't raise children. A community can drastically influence children. See, our family table initiative is this, to engage kids and teens where they're at, to encourage kids and teens to live in faith with Jesus and empower the generations to disciple kids and teens. We're mirroring what Jesus called this church to do. We're mirroring what PCC calls everybody to do, to empower the generations to passionately follow Christ, one person at a time. So I'm inviting you, church, to model Jesus and love one another. Who can you serve today? Not because what you get from them. That's not serving. But who can you serve today because you're willing to get in their mess and just be present? Church, I'm calling you today to say, what does it look like to give of your life and say, Jesus, I want yours? And I want to get messy. I'm willing to serve. And for the next two, three, four, five years, 
I'm actually willing to invest in the life of a kid and teen and say, I want them to be a disciple. PCC, thanks for joining us today on Family Table, Realizing Your Impact. Next week, we're going to talk about this love, how love impacts. So thanks for joining us today. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.